And now, sifting through the static with your host, Justin Brenner. Right, we are live. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I have the absolute honor to be with an expert in the a space that actually interests me, and this this live actually uh, pretty excited for, um, just because of the way that people have shifted over the last few years uh, with the pandemic and just work ethic. So um, I am with Anna. She is from uh, Remotivate. And I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I know that you assist some of actually some of our members. I think you work with Structured with Nick Shackelford um, and, yeah. and Finding Talent and probably some other, other um, high-level members that we have in the group. So I'm really excited because I know that Nick is a beast and his talent is uh, top notch. So um, obviously you're part of that success and and help help that team. So I'm going to let you kind of just give an introduction about yourself. I know that you have a screen share that you're going to show and we can kind of dive in and kind of go over uh, what we're going to cover today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Justin, for for inviting me and for having me here. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited. I do have kind of a, a walkthrough of who I am and what Remotivate is and what I'm going to talk about. Uh, I think it just might be easier if I go ahead and share my screen and we can kind of yeah. dive right into it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go ahead and do the kind of a. Right, she's doing that. If you guys have questions related to um, jobs or anything like that, um, feel free to drop them down in the chat, and then we'll kind of get to them uh, as we go. All right. Let me know if you can. Oh. Can you see my screen? Yes. No. Okay. Yes, I can. Yep. Does it say motivate? Yep. <laughs> in big bold letters. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is usually the part where I start just to give some context. I think it's really important. Uh, so I I run a business called Remotivate, and it is a remote focused uh, recruitment agency. We help online business owners, as you mentioned, Nick is a great example, but we help online business owners all over the world hire for remote leadership. We do all kinds of things, but that's really the focus. So most of the time people come to us and they're like, Anna, we need a head of operations. Anna, we need our CMO. <laughs> and that's usually what people come to us for. And we help. I always make a joke. Uh, we've hired on over, like six continents. If we could hire in Antarctica, we would. <laughs> but that's uh, that's a little bit about the agency. And yeah, we've we've done it in so many different places. It's, it's an amazing process. Uh, but Let's keep kind of moving forward. So I, I do want to give a little bit of context of who I am. So like, why should you listen to anything I say? <laughs> I think it is a little bit important to share. So as I mentioned, I'm the founder of Remotivate. I have over 10 years of experience in international ops and recruitment. So I've been doing this for quite some time at this point. Uh, I help online business owners that are like from six figures all the way up to nine figures. So I consult, I help to hire for all kinds of positions and all kinds of sizes. So usually companies come to us as small as a, a quarter million dollars all the way up to 150 million dollar companies that really need their next coo and things like that um i've personally conducted thousands of interviews i just a kind of a fun fact i am originally from ukraine but i'm based in barcelona and i grew up in the us i grew up in boston uh, just kind of a little yeah fun fact and then i always add like all the little fun fun facts about me too but we won't get into it too much did, did you have any family over everybody safe with the whole yeah everyone's i mean my entire family is actually in Ukraine uh, as we speak. 
they are in the eastern part of Ukraine, but we've been very, very lucky. They actually live outside of the city. They've moved outside of the city. They're safe. They're they're good. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a shift and adjustment, and I haven't seen them for over a year. And hopefully we'll see each other very soon is, is the hope. But um, yeah, but in regards to kind of what we're going to talk about, and I think this is a relevant topic, you know, even if you're not hiring leadership, even if you're just hiring remote staff in general, or you've ever struggled with hiring remote staff, or you've hired to retain remote staff, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to be applicable for anyone. I the Anytime I share information regarding hiring, retaining staff, I try to keep things simple. So this whole presentation, I'm happy to share it with anybody afterwards. We can do like a link or something. It's very actionable. It's very simple. And it always comes back to the fundamentals because I work, as I mentioned, with businesses that are at, you know, 50 million, 100 million. And for some reason, it's always the basics that everyone struggles with. So I always come back to the basics. Those are the super important things that you can do that makes it easy. We often, as entrepreneurs, I feel like we overthink a lot and we, we try to do so much and everything becomes very complex. And that's where we get very overwhelmed. But honestly, things are a lot more simple. And I'm just going to make it simple <laughs> as much as possible. So nice. I'd love to dive right into this. Um, and you actually mentioned this. Uh, so you, you kind of mentioned this, Justin, but what we're going to cover, there's four things I wanted to cover. Now, in the title, we talk about how to hire and retain, but there's two things we actually need to know before we hire and retain. And that is, when do we need to hire leadership? What leadership role to actually hire for? And then the rest, right? Because working with a lot of agency owners, I mean, we work with a lot of different kinds of businesses, but I want to say that one of the biggest challenges is, hey, I have all of these issues in the company and I know I need to hire somebody, but I don't know who to hire. And I think that piece is so extremely important. And I'm sure, I mean, you've probably experienced this. You think, okay, I have this fire, all these fires. Let me just hire someone really fast. And then you end up with a very poor hire <laughs> and you end up spending a lot of time and money and actually making things worse sometimes. <laughs> so I always yep. talk about those kind of first two things before getting into actually how to hire. So the first thing is obviously, when do you hire for leadership? And there's a few different scenarios that I, I wanted to share during this chat. So if you've already been a business owner, and I say like, if you're a seasoned business owner, if this is not your first business, that means you already have some capital or you might've had capital and you've done you know business closely with as a partner or as an investor, whatever it is, start to hire from top down. So if this is your second business or you're a seasoned owner, you should be hiring leadership at the start. But obviously if this is your first business and you're still growing it, that's not always the best strategy. So this is always recommended if you're kind of more of a seasoned owner. If you're like everyone else, <laughs> it's your first business and you're growing it, uh, then obviously I all, I mentioned that a quarter million is usually a good amount, right? Because by then you have a small team of like admin, customer support, uh, media buyers, you know, whatever it is, you have kind of a team already, but you might not have good leadership or you, you might have somebody, but they're not quite, you know, quite there, or you might not have any leadership at all. So usually a good mark is about a quarter million dollars a year that's usually a good mark to to start hiring leadership if you can afford to do that earlier great right it all just comes down to budget and that's kind of my third point is if you can afford to spare about two to four k a month 
that's pretty much all you need to start hiring good leadership. I mean, you can hire amazing people out of Southeast Asia, Latin America, uh, Eastern Europe, right? So as a smaller business, if you can't afford, you know, to hire out of like North America per se, you can find amazing, talented, dedicated, uh, experienced leaders that are not gonna, you know, break the bank, so to speak, <laughs> at a good, yeah, you know, yeah. I was actually going to ask about that because it seems really, really low for a C-level yeah. leadership position. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we're not, you know, here I want to mention that to me, leadership does not always mean C-level, right? Leadership can mean anything where, and, and I'll give an example, actually, in just a few slides, we'll talk about like what's an ops manager. But leadership doesn't have to be C-level. Leadership is somebody who comes in and can help you strategically, can help you run the team day-to-day -day, somebody you can delegate a lot of your tasks to somebody who's going to come in and create the right systems and processes and and really uh help you strategically speaking now it could be in various departments whether that's operations marketing customer success i mean there's so many different supply chain but at the end of the day this is a person that's going to come in and really help support you and your needs not just tasks that you won't need them to do, but like on a more st strategic level. And generally speaking, we have absolutely hired rock stars at 2,500 and up, right? So of course we're hiring people at, you know, 300K a year, if that's something you can afford. But I, I wanna make sure that smaller businesses out there that will probably be watching this too, that they know that they can and should start hiring early to have that management on board. And then at the last thing I wanted to mention is that you're ready to start focusing on working uh, on the business instead of in the business. And I, I feel like that's such a great and simple way of looking at it. If you're working on the business, like if you are do in the day to day, if you're like in it, you need a higher leadership. <laughs> like that's the easiest way to, to figure that piece out. Right. All right. right. So that's when. The second piece is what leadership role to actually hire for first, uh, especially if this is your first hire. Now, if it isn't, obviously there's a ton of people that will watch this and you know they've obviously hired before. So that's not gonna be relevant, but a lot of companies will grow their business without any leadership. I mean, I've talked to people with a team of 40 in the millions with no leadership. <laughs> so I know this is a real problem. And again, I try to simplify this as much as possible, but the way to figure out, I mean, I'm not gonna give you the answer like, oh, hire ops, hire marketing, but the way to figure out who to hire first is based on two things. One, the biggest challenges in your business, right? So are, are there gaps in your operations? Are there too many fires? Is the marketing not working? Are sales like not really, like are people coming in and they're not converting, right? So figure out where the biggest challenges are and that's gonna get you in the right direction. And then the second thing is, what are you not good at <laughs> or taking up too much of your time, right? Because if you suck at it, you should delegate a hire for that. Like, that's just like the simplest way to, to figure that piece out, uh, especially if you built out an entire team and you're managing all of it. And it's just like fire after fire every single day. So I always just say those two things, figure out where your challenges are and what's taking up a lot of your time or you're not good at. And then you can really hire for that. And that works both for just like regular lower level tasks and higher level leadership, right? A great example is me. I am awesome at operations and recruitment. All of our systems and processes, like we're, we work like machines. But when it comes to marketing, it's not my background. I suck at marketing. So I always, always hire for marketing because I hire marketing leadership. I hire marketing experts. I hire marketing consultants because that's right. my gaps are. That's what I'm not good at. So that's just an example. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, it was super important. 
And then I did want to give this example, right? Um, if you do have a lot of fires in your business, if there's a lot of things that are not working, systems, processes, I always say hire an ops manager. But so many marketing agencies say, well, what is that? <laughs> like, I, I kid you not, I have so many people, but what is an operations manager? And I, I explain this in the simplest possible way. It's the day-to-day -day tasks. It's the purse operations is the day-to-day -day tasks and responsibilities required to run your business and deliver on your service or product. And it's the type of tasks that require to focus on running the business versus growing, right? Operations is about running. Marketing is about growing, right? So usually those are, that's how I explain it in a very, very simple way. And this is the part that people get very surprised at. I give some examples of what an operations manager can do for a smaller business. And it's so cool, like hiring, finance, research, SOPs, data tracking, troubleshooting, account management, project management. The list is so long. But when you're starting a business, you can hire somebody at 2,500, 3,000, 4,000. I mean, as obviously you get bigger, you want somebody like at a higher level and they're going to do higher level tasks. But as yep. a smaller business, you can absolutely hire somebody to, to handle a lot of these responsibilities because you don't need a huge team. Those things are not taking a ton of time, right? A couple hours here, a couple hours there. And this person usually is a jack of all trades. So that's just like an example of a leadership role that I feel like a lot of people miss out on and they try to do all of this list this whole list all by themselves which is tough <laughs> yeah and then <clears throat> the obviously that now moving on to the thing that we you know a lot of people were would love to find out is how do you easily hire for leadership now there's so many companies out there that you know talk about how to hire a va or they're going to help you with hiring a marketer or hiring an assistant or kind of lower those lower level positions but I think leadership can be a little bit more challenging. And I do want to talk about how to do this in a very simple way. And it's it's step, we're going to do it step by step. But at the end of the day, if you invest a little bit of time up front to do this properly, it's a rinse and repeat situation. You'll find amazing people. You'll be able to vet them properly. You'll be able to actually work with people that care about what you're, you know, the, the, the service or product that you're offering. And it can be a much better long-term fit. I feel like a lot of people rush into hiring leadership or executive level roles and you don't want to pay somebody 10k and then realize five minutes or you know six months later that you've just spent 60k and you don't you're not getting much out of that so this is incredibly important to spend maybe a week or two up front of time but save yourself a lot of money and time down the road right agreed so it's a couple of things so what role to hire for and we talked a little bit about this but i want to talk about it one more time of actionable like how can we figure out what role to hire for where to hire for like wh where to hire these people from how to screen the candidates and how to onboard and maintain see super simple like i promised simple i'm giving simple <laughs> well that's the point I, I think you know that is really what makes so the, this is one thing that I learned, the more I learn about recruitment and I learn about recruitment every single day, right? Because I've done this for so many years and I continue staying on top of trends and exploring this, but the more you're in it, like the best way that I connect when I, I share all of this, even with our clients and, you know, people who buy like work with us and all of that, that we recruit for is to make it as simple as possible, because honestly it is simple. And I feel like people very, they just overcomplicate recruitment. There's all these steps, all these platforms, all these tutorials, it gets so complicated and then people get overwhelmed. So I always say it can, we can make it super easy and you can get an amazing result 
by doing this. So four steps. <laughs> Let's start with the first. So what role to hire for? Now, again, this is uh, there's going to be a couple of things that you can do to figure out what role to hire for. I, I've worked with a lot of companies that are a little bit overwhelmed. They have all of these different things and they're like, well, can this person do this? Or how do you actually, you know, what's the title of this role? And the way to do this is to make a list of things you'd love to delegate. And again, going back to what are the challenges, what you suck at, right? like what you're not great at, um, where the gaps are. So make a list of things that you would love to delegate, make your dream list. And then you can take, you can then take that and do a little bit of research. And I'll talk about how to do that. But that's kind of the first step. The second step is figuring out the department that they're mostly going to be focused on. So when I say operations, I'm talking about internally, everything that's happening internally, how to deliver on your service or product, like all the ins and outs, the systems, the processes, a lot of it's regarding delivery, but day-to-day yep. -day stuff. Sales and marketing is obviously outward facing, customer service, we know what customer service is, and then finance yep. is finance. But ultimately figure out where the biggest gap is, like what is it more ops? Is it more marketing? Is it more CS, finance, and so on? And that's gonna be very important because I mean, yes, ops, for example, is a jack of all trades, but ultimately this person is focused internally on helping you run the business, not on making sales and marketing, right? I mean, depending on how high level, but at the end of the day, like if we're talking about basics, an operations manager, a head of operations, they're focused on improving the quality of the day-to-day -day operations of your business. I always recommend this. I feel like a lot of people don't know about Workable's job description templates. They have a huge database. I'm talking like thousands and thousands of amazing job descriptions. And these are like very well written for remote companies. So if you have that dream list out and let's say you figured out that this is probably going to be operations, put in operations in their database and you'll find a ton of different examples, head of ops, VP of ops, director of ops, just read through a couple of them to get a sense of what, what level you need, right? This is just like an easy guide of how to figure out what role to hire for without, you know, again, talking to a ton of consultants and to discussing on 10 of your masterminds, like very easy yeah. way of going about it. And then the last thing obviously is, you know, if you still haven't figured it out or it's confusing, obviously anyone can reach out to me and I can give them something called a vision form. So we provide this to all of our clients before we work with anybody. But the idea is that you write out your dream role, right? What are the, what does success look like? What will this person do? What will this person be responsible for? Uh, what is the culture personality you'd like this person to be? I think Again, when people put together job descriptions, they're not really thinking, they're thinking, okay, this person will do this, this, and this, but they're not thinking culture fit or personality mm -hmm. or logistics. Will this be in the same time zone or are there flexible hours? Are, how flexible are you on the salary? What are the benefits and opportunities of this role, right? There's so many things I feel like people skip over. And so I'm happy to provide that vision form. And that will, again, we can help also uh, identify what the title of that role is. But this is this part, I feel like is the basic, like the basis for everything else. If you do not figure yep. out what the role is, and most companies do not, uh, to be completely honest, like most companies are like, oh, we tried to hire this role and this role and this role. I'm like, oh, but you need this person, <laughs> right? So if right. you don't figure this piece out, you're going to waste a lot of time and money down the road and you don't want that right if, especially if you're scaling because that's going to be a mess a bigger mess on top of the mess <laughs> yep. yeah all right the, the next thing people, yeah go ahead go ahead i think a lot of people and maybe it's more on the applicant side but 
I was kind of the opposite. Like the, some of those jobs, you know, they, and I don't know your take on this, but when they publish them, they necessarily don't put benefits and salary information. It always says, you know, negotiable. Yeah. So how do you like, as applicants apply, obviously you're not applying for a job unless you really know, cause you, I mean, everybody has to live. So like the first question on my mind, when I always applied for a job is how much does this freaking job pay? Like it is even worth wasting my time, you know, yeah. because you don't really know. Are you a component from, for putting that range on there? Or is that like, is that supposed to be done pre-interview during interview? Like what is your take on that? And what do most employers like in terms of that? Yeah. Uh, double, there's a, kind of like um i'll explain what we what we do and what i honestly recommend it's good mm -hmm. to set a range but it can be a wide range it doesn't have to be like okay we're looking for somebody from 50 to 60k right so let's say you're hiring ops manager in the united states you can set a budget of like 65 to 110. like it could be a crazy range but people will then understand that hey you're open, you're hiring, you're open to looking at candidates of different quality and obviously different range in terms of experience, but it's okay to put a larger range. So that's the first yeah. thing. And honestly, if you do put a range, even if it's a larger one, you get so many more applicants. People do not like to see, like if you don't put the salary on LinkedIn, even a wide salary, you'll get so many, like, I don't know why, but the discrepancy is huge in terms of applicants. So that's the first piece. The second piece, and this is where I think, uh, you know, you mentioned how it's important to understand what a candidate needs. We actually add that into our questionnaire. So we ask the candidate, what is your ideal range? 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 to 70, and so on and so forth, right? We have like this big kind of drop down, but they get to tell us what their ideal salary is. And then in the last step, when we're interviewing and having that conversation, we get into negotiations and we ask them like, obviously how much are they looking for? Is, do they have like a comfortable range? Are they negotiable? So we do have a conversation on that and you should, but I think hitting it at all points, publish it. If you're not sure, set a big range, collect that information up front, ask your candidate before you even have that conversation. And I'll talk about that actually, like as one of the steps, you can add that into your questionnaire. And then as a final step, have that conversation. And I think that's going to help everybody. It's going to help the candidates figure out if they're in, within your budget. Uh, it's going to help you give some understanding upfront if the salary, like let's say they're completely out of budget, there's no point in even having a conversation, right? So that saves time. And then it's going to give you perspective of what to expect during the actual interview. So all three. <laughs> yeah. Does that yeah. answer your question? It does. It's just as yeah. an applicant, it's dangerous. Like I'm even hesitant to put if I was to go out and apply for a job, like a yeah. range on the sheet, because then they're like, okay, I can get this guy cheaper. Like, you know. It, well, I, to be honest, when I've done interviews, like when I used to do interviews, I always told the candidates, and this is my personal take, right? I don't think there's a right and wrong on this, but my personal take is your salary, the salary you're asking for, should reflect two things. First, it should reflect where you live. So what you actually need to, to comfortably live in the location where you're at. And people in New York are gonna need a much different salary than people in Mexico City, for example, right? As an, as an example. And then the second thing that you should really focus on is the growth. Obviously you don't wanna take a huge step down from your previous job, but you'd also should want to progress in your career and take another step up. So right. I'm kind of more of the advocate of a candidate should get 
and apply to roles that match what they actually want. And then there's some sort of growth trajectory, but I've always been an advocate of giving a candidate what they want. And if the company can't provide that, then it's not the role for the candidate, right? But they should be receiving what they kind of envision based on those two, two factors. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's just my take. I don't, but I, I don't think there's a right or wrong, right? There's obviously many different, I'd say schools of thought when it comes to salaries. Um, right. Awesome. But I guess the second thing I wanted to talk about is obviously where to hire. And again, there are so many job boards out there right now. It gets very confusing and overwhelming of like, okay, where do I actually post this? It costs $300, $400, and we work remotely sometimes. Like, am I going to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars posting on all of these remote job boards to find a good candidate? And the answer is no. <laughs> like, that's the simple answer. Then we have the other group of uh, individuals who are like, hey, we're going to go on Upwork to find this person. Don't get me wrong. I love Upwork. We use Upwork. But you have to really know how to find amazing like talent that you're going to retain for the long term. And most people are not really aware of how to do that. So I don't recommend it for long term executive or leadership positions. What I do recommend is actually LinkedIn right now. I mean, all of these are great. So if you want to explore Indeed and AngelList, if you have the capacity. But as a scaling business owner, if you don't have somebody doing HR, you don't have time for all of this. <laughs> you're going right. to do LinkedIn. And the reason why, if you asked me like before pandemic, I hated LinkedIn. I like, I kid you not, I, I hated LinkedIn. But yeah. what happened during the pandemic is that it created this huge shift of people now wanting remote jobs. I don't know if you know the statistic, but right now, like this is the latest statistic from LinkedIn, more than 53% of all applicants applying to jobs are looking for remote positions. Over 53% of all applicants on LinkedIn. And the number of paid job postings that are remote are less than 13. Like the discrepancy wow. is insane. And this is why when you post a paid posting on LinkedIn for a remote job, we get like a thousand candidates within three days. It is insane. Like absolutely what insane. Your, what is your, like if I came to you right now and said, hey, I want to, yeah. I want a job as a CMO or something like, are yeah. most of those positions remote? Or are they not remote? Well, we hire only remote positions. So like oh, okay. all of our roles are, are we only focus on executive remote roles, management, like role, like that are only remote. Yes, we've worked with some hybrid companies that are like, we need this person in this particular city and it's a hybrid role. We have done that, but we do focus primarily on remote. And so our database, the candidates that apply, everyone is fully remote and ready to, to work remotely. Uh, yeah, but kind of coming back to LinkedIn, it's it's very simple. Set the minimum budget, like put your job description, the title of your role, set a minimum budget. It's usually like five or $6 a day and run it for like, I usually try to change the country. If you're flexible on country, let's say you're looking at Latin America, just change the country every couple of days. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, we get thousands of applicants within like a week <laughs> and, and it's not going to cost you. Obviously we do it a little bit differently. We have job slots, so it's, it's very different, but if you're a business owner and I've told all of my entrepreneurial friends, even this, I'm like, if you want, if you're looking to hire somebody, post the job on LinkedIn, put it as a paid posting, set it a minimum budget, and you're going to get a crazy amount of candidates only because it's a remote position. Right? So that's, that's the quick hack, <laughs> the quick tip there. But obviously, if you have time and capacity, these are great too. AngelList, Indeed, Facebook, LinkedIn groups, and then smaller job boards. It's just going to be yep. kind of more time and money to spend on, on all of these. Right. Okay. 
So the next thing I always chat about again, and it, it can seem a little overwhelming at first, but honestly, this is why I say it's easy because it is right. I, I'll, I'll kind of discuss each of these points. It is actually very simple. You can do this in a way that it's not going to be overwhelming, but it can have an amazing result for hiring leadership. Because if you're hiring, for example, like a junior role, you can go to Upwork and you can find somebody like you don't need this whole process for, you know, a VA, you can use it. But if you're hiring for leadership, you really need to make sure that people go through a few steps, but do it in a way that you're going to get all the information you need and you're not going to overwhelm the candidate with a ton of different hoops to jump from uh, jump through. So this is what we normally do. Uh, and so the first thing you need to do is have an ATS, an applicant tracking system. Again, sounds like a scary thing, but LinkedIn actually has this. So if you have like recruiter light, if you're hiring, you have like recruiter light, or if you want to check out things like breezy, they have a good system. If you don't want to use any system, Google Sheets is your best friend. Like you don't need anything crazy. You can use a Trello board, you can use Google Sheets, you can use like the basics, but you want a place that's not like an inbox. You want a place to store your candidates and you can have a VA just copy things over, right? Like the, the applicant's name, their LinkedIn or resume profile, but you want to make sure you're keeping everything in one place. Otherwise it's going to get very overwhelming. The next thing you want to have is a questionnaire. Now we divide our questionnaires. This again, you can set this up. Uh, I believe Asana has a way to do Asana forms that can then go into a board or a list. So Asana has this. You can do a Google form that connects to Airtable. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And it's honestly, it's like an hour to set this up. But the questionnaire is about getting as much information about the candidate without having an interview because a CV unfortunately doesn't give you the full story. So I always say like having a questionnaire with the main risk, like do they have experience doing some of the main responsibilities or requirements of this role, right? So main points regarding what you need for this role, uh, remote readiness, a few questions regarding how long they've been in the remote space, like and the remote readiness, logistics. I always, always say cover your logistics, you know, salary, time zone, uh, hours of availability. Can they go full-time or part-time depending on what you need? So covering some of your logistical questions. And then the last couple of questions usually are just asking for a little bit more information. If you're hiring for, you know, a media buyer or an operations manager or a CMO, just asking a little bit more information regarding like what they've accomplished. It, it could be anything, but just to get a sense of how they think, how they've worked, what they've achieved. So I'm not going to get into too, again, don't want to get into nitty and gritty, but the idea is just some more general questions around their background to get you give you a better sense of who they are now normally we also ask for a video after the questionnaire but you don't have to do that you can once you have a lot of those questionnaires and cvs you can pick a top you know five ten candidates from that list like you already got thousands of people interested you invited like 100 to apply you're gonna get you know 10 that you love right 100 people filled out your questionnaire you're gonna get five or ten people that you love from that and you're going to set up interviews and people often ask me like okay but what what am i going to ask on the interviews and i always say you want to focus on you know a couple things industry their industry experience have they done this before in a similar industry to yours can they talk about that and share how they've done that and then their accomplishments and achievements in past roles and then mm -hmm. finally culture fit like those those few things will really, really, you can get into all kinds of things. You can go to and read the who method. There's a lot of like stuff on the internet as well and books that can tell you what to do. But honestly, industry accomplishments and uh, culture and communication fit, those are three major things I always recommend for our employers to dive into to figure out if somebody's gonna be a good fit and have at least two interviews <laughs> because you will be biased.
unfortunately I am, and as somebody who is in the recruitment space, I am not allowed, I have, this is a rule in our company. I'm not allowed to be the only person to interview some and select somebody for a role <laughs> because we have biases and I love everybody I talk to and I'm like, well, they probably can work out. No, don't do that. Always have another person that is evaluating your candidate because we, we just, we're, we're biased, we're biased. Test project, uh, this is super simple. Pick two challenges in your business that this person's gonna help you with. Like, don't do tasks, don't do step one, two, three, four, five. Like, don't do any of that. Pick two challenges that this leader will be addressing. For example, uh, product launches. I mean, this is a good one for e-com businesses, but let's say product launches take three months. Hey, I need you to get our product launches down to one month. How would you go about that? What resources, tools will you use? Communication, like strategy, da, da, da. Two challenges that this person will be going at, like really kind of addressing in the business if you hire them. That's the test project. And then reference checks. People, again, people are very, how do we do references? Ask the candidate to provide the references, check them on LinkedIn, grab a phone, have a conversation. How were they? What were their accomplishments? What were they great at? Where did they struggle? Like basic things. But at the end of the day, if you can do this, if you can set this up and you can set this up super quickly, like honestly, this whole thing can be set up in a couple hours. This will save you so much headache of making mistakes and looking at a CV and saying, oh, this looks like a great candidate. Let me talk to them. Oh, yeah, that sounds nice. I'll hire him for 10 grand. Oh, no. Six months later, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yep. Yeah. Simple, right? I mean. <laughs> no, that's kind of my complaint is I. It's so hard to find, especially it seems like since post pandemic or beginning of pandemic, it seems like mm -hmm. just forgot how to work so <laughs> I I honestly think it's it's the challenge is more about like vetting people properly yeah versus there's a lot of people that are new to remote work and that's it's not because they're lazy or they don't know how to work it's because they don't yet there's a transitional period to knowing how to work remotely and you don't want to hire anybody who's in that transitional period. So if they're coming from corporate, for example, and they've never worked in the remote space, you're taking a big risk to see if they're going to be able to successfully work from home. Right. That's a, there's a huge transition there. Yeah. So I guess I've, it's, yeah, I've only worked remote for like the last 15 years. So it's, uh, you know, well, there you go. So for you, it's I like, remote. I was remote before there was even remote. <laughs> so yeah i mean same i mean i i was way before i started way before the pandemic but yeah it's definitely a challenge and i feel like a lot of people have struggled with that transition and i think a lot of business owners are like oh it's gonna be fine i've done this for 20 years in the corporate space for you know uh, bank of america so they can do it for me I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. don't go there yeah um do we still have a couple minutes because i do want to chat yeah. a little bit about onboarding yep. or integrity cool yeah so this is the last step honestly it's not too long but a lot of people ask me anna how do i know if this person's going to last for the long term now if you tested them if you had the conversations you've checked for like you really had the conversation of why they're applying and why it's going to be a good fit and you know you, you went through that whole process so they're a great person they're great they're talented they can do the job and the question is okay well now that they're you want to hire them how do you know how do you really help them stay for the long term how do you maintain that good relationship and the answer to that again i love simple answers is a successful onboarding because a lot of the reasons why a candidate doesn't work out is because the expectations are not 
really communicated or aligned from the very beginning. So a lot of times why a candidate doesn't work out is because, you know, the employer gets frustrated, like, hey, I expected this and this and they didn't do it. Did you tell them? No. <laughs> Wait, so you're disappointed that they didn't do this thing, but you didn't actually communicate that or provide any context to this. And I think a lot of business owners do that. They just hope that the person will just get it. But that's not how most people operate. You do need to provide, you know, like a list of this is your responsibility. This is what I expect you to do. Have some sort of communication. So that's why I talk about onboarding. <clears throat> and again, this is a super, super simple list. And that's why I said that if anybody wants this presentation, they can have it because it's very actionable, but it really just lists these things off. So set clear expectations from the start. What does success look like weekly, monthly, you know, six months, a year? Establish specific hours of when you expect this person to work. I've actually had this happen quite a few times when uh, clients are like, but they didn't show up around this time or this time. Did you agree to that? No, but still, <laughs> like, you got to agree to these things. Uh, discussing time off, so paid time, vacation time, sick leave. Again, this is so important. If people have families, if people have responsibilities outside of work, it's so important to discuss all of this up front. Discussing bonus structures, tiers, tiers, commissions. If you're hiring top tier leadership, you need to have these discussions because a lot of times candidates want more than just a salary. Introducing mm -hmm. them to your team, to tools. A lot of times a, a, a company will hire somebody and they're like, yeah, good luck. Here's the Slack. <laughs> good luck. You can't do that. You got to really give them all the resources that they introduce them to all the, the resources and maybe create a checklist, right? But it's, it's really important to make those introductions. And lastly, this should be very evident. If you're a business owner, if you scaled the business, if you have a ton of people working for you, you should know to sign a contract, right? Or sign a contractor agreement, a freelance agreement. And I don't know if you're going to ask this or not, but I feel like most people do. If we're hiring for executive talent, does that mean we have to register them as an official employee? And how do we do that? <laughs> this is a question I get all the time. Honestly, the majority of their companies that we work with that are remote first, want still are happy and and from the candidate side and the employer side to sign a contractor agreement right obviously it's a little bit different if you're in the u.s hiring in the u.s uh then it, it can shift but if you're hiring internationally you can still hire and sign a contractor agreement and if you're worried about compliance or payroll i always talk about uh you know remote.com let's deal there are there's a ton of of companies out there that are offering to help in terms of compliance but those things will really set you up for retaining that person for the long term and then i obviously talk a little bit about this but it's just how to maintain right regular calls these are all of the things that companies don't do and i i honestly am guilty of this when i started my business go making that transition from operations to becoming a visionary and and running the business from like a business owner perspective this was i needed to learn this all over again the things i was preaching to the business owners i had to learn too like when i started this journey but yeah having regular team calls it, talking about both professional and personal life because you do need to know what's going on in everybody's life to figure out like performance and things like that uh continued training growth development those things help retain people so well continuing to develop them continuing to push them and, and this is going to be the easiest thing but take care of your team the team takes care of the business right and the same thing goes for leadership help enable them to do their job like ask them continuously what can i do to help you do better at your job 
and give them whatever they ask for. I mean, in reasonable sense. But to be honest, that has been a game changer. My job at, in my company is all about how do I help my team enable them? How do I remove bottlenecks? How do I give them more tools, more training? Retaining the, the, the best things I found around retention is just taking care of your team and continuously talking to them and having those open lines of communication. But that's it. I mean, it's again, it's it's not it's not like rocket science, right? It's just like have regular conversations. This is for any type of relationship. But yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, it's try to keep. I try to keep it as simple as possible to achieve incredible results. If you use these methods around hiring and onboarding and retaining, you can have amazing, amazing people for the long term and like scale your business so much, you know, better and faster with incredible people. So, yeah. Do you guys do, because I know this question will come, do you guys do ad buyer type positions? Yeah, absolutely. We do all kinds of roles. It's just that we've positioned ourselves in terms of management because that's what companies normally come to us for. Normally they start with, hey, Anna, we need a head of ops. Oh, you guys do media buyers, affiliate managers, content managers, designers, <laughs> like, yes, okay. offer strategists, creative directors. Yeah, the answer is yes. Uh, the only exceptions to what we don't do is we don't do technical roles. When I say technical, I'm talking about like programmers and developers. We really don't do that. It's just not our expertise. And when it comes to junior positions, sure, you can pay us to do that, but just use Upwork. Right. <laughs> like, don't waste your money. <laughs> save, save your money and just go to Upwork for that. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. What's typically the process time frame if somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, I need somebody? What is like, would you say on average from start to finish job fulfillment? Yeah, absolutely. I want to say that from our side of us delivering, you know, top candidates from sourcing that like the whole process that we do for all of our clients, it takes about four to six weeks. So generally we can send amazing top candidates, you know, three to five amazing candidates ready to go within that four to six week range. The challenge usually comes in that a lot of business owners can't move that quickly in the final stages, right? Final interviews, test project, um, you know, like kind of the final stages take a little bit longer. So I always say that if you need a leadership, like for hiring for a leadership position, estimate about like two, two and a half months, because that will give the us and the owner time to actually wrap things up. It's going to give the candidate time to give their notice if they need like, you know, two weeks or, or something like that. Um, but two, two and a half months is like a healthy amount of time. But again, we work on all timelines. I had a client just recently say they needed a paid media strategist, like, like somebody for Google ads and things like that. And they had a timeline of one month. They're like, if we can't hire for one month, we just can't hire at all. Like they had a specific situation. Yeah, we've we've sent over like five candidates. They've interviewed almost all of them. They're finalizing right now, but it's been one month. <laughs> so we work on timelines. But the, if you're saying like in terms of the typical process, clients usually take a little bit of time. So for us, four to six weeks. Generally, the whole process is about two, two and a half months. Okay. Cool. No. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Let's see if there's any other questions. Yeah, anything I can help answer. I love questions. <laughs> My favorite part of the usually presentations. <laughs> what have you found to be the the best other than LinkedIn in terms of somebody's just cold outreach? Because I know there's a lot where how do you feel about cold outreach job fulfillment? I know that's like a thing. 
Cold outreach in what way? Like email outreach? Like, yeah, you're like looking for, I'm looking for media buyers, right? Yeah. And I'm actually, I go on LinkedIn. I find mm -hmm. Nick's structured agency and I start reaching out to his media buyers saying, hey, we're looking to fill positions. Like you go to successful businesses for people that have been there a while because you know that they're yeah. good candidates to be able, obviously yeah. me and Nick might come and kick my ass, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're actually I do, going like hunting. Yes. How do yeah. you feel about it? Here's the thing. I'm going to provide my personal opinion. This is not the truth. This is not like the right sure. way. This is my personal opinion. Because of how many people apply to every job that we go through, I know that there are thousands of candidates looking for a job on a regular basis that are qualified. And so to me, headhunting used to be a thing we used to do because we wanted the best candidates in one place. Let's say you're looking in you know, one city and there's a very limited number of people that have the expertise you need. So it made sense to call those people up and say, hey, I'm gonna offer you a larger salary, et cetera, et cetera. But now that we have access to people from all over the world, especially remotely, there's just no reason to headhunt. And on top of that, I'm gonna add this perspective that I think is important. When you headhunt, if that person leaves their job because you've convinced them that your job is better, the next recruiter is going to come and do that in the next six months and you're going to get a job hopper, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my concern. If they are not loyal to their, the company they're working for after, you know, six months, a year, what's stopping them from leaving you? Yep. No, I mean, right? So I'm not saying don't reach out to people that have a job, but headhunting in the nature of actually convincing people to leave and trying to get them over to you it's not a win-win. It, it, it's not going to be a long-term thing. So I do want to share that. And there's so many amazing candidates. Like there's no reason for, yes, you can go out and you can post on groups, you can do other things, but right now LinkedIn is the place to do that. Like, there's, there's no reason not to, you can get hundreds and hundreds of candidates. Don't waste money on ads. Don't waste money on job boards. Like don't waste time on doing a ton of like micro things when you can do one post and within three days, get a thousand people. Like why not have that? <laughs> uh, there is a question I need further elaboration. Do you offer to pay for the time to solve for the test case you mentioned? That's a great question. <clears throat> so I, I it really depends. I want to say it depends. It depends on the level of the role. If it is like a management executive role, and if it is a task that you feel like it's going to take them a couple of days, I, I always say it's good to offer some sort of small amount. It doesn't have to be a crazy amount. I mean, it could be like $100 or $50, right? The idea is something symbolic to say, I appreciate your work. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work and the time you're going to put into this. And you all obviously want to do this only with top candidates if you will be paying. But I do want to say that we've done it plenty of times where it is a last step in a process. So a candidate is comfortable doing that without payment. I would just say consider the level of the role and consider how long that project is going to take. If it's something they can do in a few hours, asking them to do that at the end of the process for free should not be a big deal, honestly. But if it's something that's going to take them a couple of days to get back to you, and strategically speaking, and what they need to build out, then offering something symbolic would be good, but it doesn't have to be a crazy amount. Yep, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that, let me see if there's any other thing. I think that's it. Um, I know best way for people, and I might've missed it on the slide. Um, there it is. 
if people want to reach me, honestly, I've deleted Facebook. I've deleted, well, I'm sorry. I've, I've deleted Facebook from my phone. <laughs> I've deleted, um, Instagram. My, my favorite ones are LinkedIn, email, and WhatsApp. Those are my go-tos for contacting me. <laughs> that's funny because that's the opposite of me. I hate LinkedIn. I don't use it and I hate WhatsApp and I only use it to talk to you. Yeah. The other person that we had it live with, but yeah. yeah. Complete opposite for me. So it's funny. I know many people are like Twitter and I like most people are on Twitter. A lot of agencies are on Twitter. I don't understand Twitter. I'm like a grandma when it comes to Twitter. What is this? How do you use this? <laughs> I don't know. That guy's running that platform in the ground though. So yeah. So, but yeah, these are kind of the best ways to reach me or, you know, checking out our website, which is in that quarter, let's remotivate.com. That's also a way you can just book a call with me through the website. So super easy. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, uh, reach out to Anna. Um, I appreciate the time. Thanks for putting yeah. this together. Absolutely. And, well, thank you for having me, Justin. This was great. Yeah. And then I know we have some other stuff to connect on. If you want to just stay on the call, we can yeah, all sure stop thing. the stream and jam. Sure. Thanks, everybody. 